Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It's the Uticast, episode 148. And this week, we are joined by GFOP and newest member of the two-timers club uh, of Holidays Comics of Dandy Press. Uh, Dave Delachase is here to talk to us about a wide variety of comics and pop culture-related uh, information. Uh, also this week, folks, it is World Book Day. I'm on spring break. Uh, I'm done with some people. We're going to do a little bit of movie reviews. We're going to talk about the Moron Index, the death of fashion, 420 in New York, all of this, and so, so much more, folks. As usual, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yeah. back, folks. Episode 148 of the Uticast. Uh, I am, of course, uh, producer, host Sam Pamelaro here every week with the loud, obnoxious voice. And to my left, uh, Heather Waz. What's up, Heather? Welcome back. Yes, I'm I, back. I missed you last week. I missed you guys, too. We always miss you when you're not here. It's very sad. Um, Lonely, depressing. <laughs> I was depressed. Okay, I was. Perfect. Well, because Parkinson's not as appealing. As, as you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Kevin, you're back again. Welcome back. I'm here. You're here. Uh, here I am. Right there. Uh, Kev, I gotta ask. I'm gonna ask you the question everyone's asked you all week. How's your foot feeling? Getting better. <laughs> it's better today. It's getting better. Poor Kevin hurt his foot. I was gonna this say. Week. I thought I saw you in like a boot or you something. Did. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't. You did. You're busy. I yeah. couldn't ask you about Saranac. Badly. Yeah. It's it's horrible. It's been awful. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask you this question just because I know it's probably true. Uh, I had this a lot when I would get like tattoos in the restaurant, right? Uh -huh. And I had to like get it healed. Do people, like, step on your foot now out of nowhere, like, all the time? It happened once, oh. and it was horrible. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not out here, like, mixing it up with people. Like, I've been trying to, <laughs> trying to you know, go slowly with it and rest it as much as I could, but I had to work. Uh, it was tough on Friday. Yeah. I had to work. It was wearing the bar, and somebody stepped on me real good uh, one time, and uh, that was quite a setback. Uh, it was pretty horrible. Mm. I was in a lot of pain on Friday night when I got home. Oh. Like, a lot of, lot of pain. Um, but we're getting there. Sorry, buddy. It's tough. Uh, I'm feeling for you. You would have never known behind the bar that you had that on. You had anything wrong with your foot? Yeah, I mean, you were working it I'm back. A professional, there. <laughs> gotta get him. <laughs> gotta get him. It was tough though. I was definitely hobbling around. Um, so Heather, I gotta ask you. Last time you were here a couple weeks ago, you ran here in training for preparation. Still training. I'm gonna assume that the fact you're wearing jeans, you did not run here I did today. Not Tomorrow's my training day. Oh, so you've given Tomorrow. up on training on Mondays. Yeah, I'm not running here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> uh, also, I have a couple things I wanted to hit you with because you weren't here last week. Okay. Um, last week we had a very in-depth conversation about bands that we would either go to see multiple times, like say more than four times a year, or bands we've seen multiple times. So Heather. I just want your opinion. Are there any bands that you like enough where you feel like you'd go to see them more than four times oh, a year? I mean, bands or any band? Any yeah, band? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Would, yeah. So you'd be like a touring person. Who's the band? Who would you... I would, if I could if, go back go back when Fleetwood Mac was. So you would follow Fleetwood oh, Mac around would, the country. I would totally if it was back in the... <laughs> I didn't know that because I, I didn't talk in a story last week about how Lindsey Buckingham just got kicked out of Fleetwood Mac. And this was like a couple weeks ago. And I said, wait a minute. Like, is this not... 
I feel like I read and this article. They're doing their farewell and, tour now. But didn't he get kicked out of there in like 1977? They kick him out all the time. They've been doing farewell tours for 30 years. <laughs> right? See, nobody cares if they kicked him out. Nobody's here to watch like Fleetwood Mac today. We've got the albums. Everybody's fine. Nobody cares. Lindsey Buckingham, we'll be in the band, out of the band. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, so, uh, Heather, so that's a good one. Fleetwood yeah. Mac, that's fair. That's all right. Good. No modern bands, you feel like? Uh, not right now. Not right I now. mean, I used to go see like... I would follow around like Lesson Jake and uh, <laughs> Newfound Glory back in the day. But I love that. Never now. Excellent. That would never happen now. <laughs> <laughs> Why were you complaining about the grocery store when you came in here today? I heard you complaining about going to the grocery store. Oh right? my! Because my husband's the worst. We're trying to get a car. Oh. And right. it's he's so indecisive that we can't ever get anything done. And we this we have like seven days left for the zero percent interest thing. Anyway, every t- wait, I can't go to the grocery store. That's all them. skin. They'll give you anything. Stop. Anything Mike they said, said no. they Mike can said give you. I have seven once. days to get it in. Yeah, because he wants seven days for the sale. Gets in. You can get that whenever you want. I to. hate going to the grocery store with my husband because he's. It takes like an hour just to get like salad dressing. He's very indecisive, mm. so like everything's a process. <laughs> I am a sort of on vacation today, mm-hmm. just today and tomorrow because I have to work really hard for the rest of the week afterwards. Uh, but I went to the grocery store in the middle of the day no, today. No, don't do that. It was a strange sight to no. go in the grocery store in the middle of the day. The people who. Frequent the grocery Horrible. store. A lot of old folks. Yep. A lot of sweatpants. Yep. Now, mind you, I was also wearing sweatpants, so I'm not here to judge people. But I have nice fitted fancy sweatpants. It's a whole different world. It's a different world. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't like to leave the house in sweatpants. No, it's like, a little schoolbody. place. I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah. This was not something that I was in love with. Uh, normally, if I... I'll go out in the car in sweatpants if I'm going to like run to the fast food or get to the bank or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on going into the grocery store, uh, but I realized I needed coffee, and there was no there's no drive through. I need like a large scale of coffee for. <laughs> if there was a drive through, I could buy beans, like a beans drive through. That's Do what I. Do Hannaford pickup? Is that a we thing? Order online, and then you just they have a drive through. Bring it right out to you. Yeah, they bring it right out to you. They don't support me at Hannaford because I got. They uh, don't remember you. They don't remember me, but <laughs> I, I was they a poor employee. You. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm yeah. not. You've had. They probably had like thirty of you. <laughs> oh, dude, so many. I'm just so many. Um, so yeah, very good. That's it. Uh, grocery store. It's a little bit of a. I feel like it's a little bit of a slow roll for me this week. Whenever I have, like, not a direct work week, I get so used to doing, like, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, wake up, go to school, do the same thing, that whenever there's any sort of inconsistency in my work week, I feel like it's thrown me for a massive loop. (laughs) It was really, like, tough pulling things together today, especially because it's not freezing cold out because it's, like, beautiful and 60s. It's super nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome out there. I wanted to go outside and be in the outside, but I've been trying to rest (laughs) the fuck because I got the day off from work, so I've been trying to, like, take it easy a little bit. Mm. Um, which is a shame because I like to be out there. It's it's nice out there. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm and I'm still gun shy to say like it's over. This I'm scared. <laughs> New York's scary. We might get snow this week. <laughs> I was gonna say it was unseasonably warm today, and then I was like, it's not though. It's seasonably <laughs> yeah. warm. This is like this is what seasons this is are like. Forty degrees more than last week. <laughs> so guys, do you know that today we'll move on to some news because I know I've been pushing it off as far as I can. Apparently, uh, do you guys know that today is is a World Book Day? That's the rumor. I did not know about this until I went on the internet today. Uh, I've been reading a lot of Stephen King because I fell in love with the Stephen King podcast a couple weeks ago where I'm just like like really digging into like the deep dives on Stephen King. So I'm reading Night Shift, which Kevin was nice enough to give me. Yes. Uh, I'm very exciting. Kevin, anything you're reading right now you want to share with people on World Book Day? Um, I feel like I'm in the middle of a couple different things, but none of them too seriously. Um... 
There's a book called The Devil in White City that I've been reading that's mm. excellent. I know about that one a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh... I read a different book by that guy called, I, and I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. Um, but I read another book called In the Garden of the Beast about um, ambassadors from America to Germany mm. pre-Nazi like Nazi party. Okay. And it's weird because it's written like it's a non-fiction book, but it's written with a way to sort of catch you like fiction, so it's very good reading okay interesting so i'm liking that book a lot Mm. yeah yeah i wish i had a book i'll give you a book (laughs) i got tons of books what do you want what kind of book you know what i have not had no time to read it's been crazy the last year and a half but i would like something like a stephen king book or something scary gory do you read the cas at all i do every night will you read them like kids books oh yeah like you know dumpsters dumpsters go to bed um (laughs) carrots, carrots and peas uh, yeah. I've probably talked about this with you before. Are you familiar with a book called Socks for Supper? No. Socks for Supper was my favorite book when I was a little kid. It was a kid. It's a really nice story about this old man and his wife, right? And they are poor. And there's, like, a family down the road that they're friends with, and they have, like, uh, a cow, and they, like, make milk and cheese with it, right? So they want to go buy milk and cheese from the neighbors. They don't have any money. So the the, <laughs> the wife, like, takes her husband's, like, sock... And, like, so, it, she, no, she takes her husband's, like, socks and unspools them and makes, like, a scarf for the neighbors, right? And they keep doing this. They keep taking all of her husband's, like, clothes and, like, unscrewing them and making new things to the neighbors to trade them for meat and cheese, or mm-hmm. milk and cheese, right? And they get to Christmas, and they don't have anything to give to them, so they, like, they go, and they're like, hey, you never came for, for cheese? And they're like, oh, we don't have anything to give you. Like, oh, we, we just ask for it. We'll give you some. And you find out that... They had been taking all the stuff that they were getting, all the, the things they were knitting, mm-hmm. and unknitting them to make clothes for the guy because they realized the guy had no clothes. Aww. It's a really nice story. It's, That's a and I'm sure that I've, I'm sure I've butchered like the narrative and made it much more convoluted than it needs no, to be. But I loved good. that story when I was a little kid. <laughs> so there you go. It's important to read to your kids. Oh, he reads more than I do. So. Well, I, I think that uh, one of my big concerns in life these days, when I talk to my middle school kids and like the the kids in the classroom, is. They're all very smart. They're all very adept at, like, technology and, like, conversing with each other casually. Mm-hmm. But I'm concerned that they don't have any, like, life skills. <laughs> like, when it comes to, like, having a conversation about why you should get hired for a job or something. I feel like none of them are prepared for that. Yeah. And I think that reading for me was a big part of, like, helping define, like, my vocabulary and learning mm-hmm. about, like, just conversation and familiarity at a young age. Never read so, up, so. Mm. that's bad. Well, you're doing good work. You're reading to your son, though. That's important. <laughs> Yeah. Are any of you guys interested in the James Comey book that came out earlier this week? Or last week, I suppose. Yeah. You're interested in I feel like I'm less interested in this. Like I should be more interested. I was kinda interested when Fire and Fury came out, like the first sort of Trump book. Well, usually they say stuff like about the book. No one's really seeing anything of interest that's come out of there. So Yeah, I've seen like a couple sound appealing to want to read it. I'm interested by I just think it's a really, I don't think that Comey's super well liked. It's sort of like when Hillary's book came out. Like, I think there's a lot of people who don't like James Comey as well. And I'm seeing a lot of narrative on both sides. And it's sort of making me uninterested in the book in general. Right? Like, I also don't think that Comey's very interesting when I've heard him talk. He, I can't imagine that his writing, because he's, and I'm not knocking him, like, as a, as a, I, I think, I respect him as a human being. He's not but, like, he's not a great <laughs> conversationalist. He's been on these book tours talking about it, and he's, kind of dry and I can't imagine that his writing is any more intriguing than like the way he normally talks as fascinating as the content material may be that's just sort of where I'm at with it uh I did think it was interesting though you know you can go on Amazon obviously and read like book reviews 
Amazon is limiting uh, reviews of the James Comey book on the website to just people who bought the book through Amazon. Um, and I understand why, right? The reason is, like, otherwise you're going to get people who are just anti-James Comey, who aren't even reading the book, who are just going there and spamming it with, re like, reviews. Uh, so I understand why you would do it. But it seems... Um, I can also see it as a talking point for, like, see, they don't want people to put the... They know it's crap. They don't want people putting crap reviews. You fall anywhere in between on this? No, that's... that's, uh, that's... I think they just want to turn political, like, a big political rant on there. Right, that's probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. What were you saying, Kev? No, that's a. I, that's not really a talking point. I think that's absolute... It's, mm. it's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, you're not... If you didn't get the book, if you can't prove that you got the book, you shouldn't be able to go out there and just, you know, post and make wild stuff because, I mean, it's... You know, you look at the fact that the Republican National Convention has purchased 16 domain names mm. um, that they're using, trying to use and hang on to to discredit James Comey, including like Lion Comey, and they're going out of their way to continue these coordinated attacks and, you know, disinformation mudding mm. in the waters. And, of course, that would be a forefront. They would use it. They're doing it on social media sites and sites you can leave comments all across the Internet. So, of course, they would do it there. So, you know, you've got to mm. take some sort of step to ensure that there can actually be a review that customers can read instead of just, like, right. some weird astroturf yeah. battleground. Yes. Mm. Well, because I was thinking about it from the concept, like, okay, so I own... And, and I guess it's because of the what type of book it is, right? I've read, like, uh, The Shining, right? Even if I didn't buy it from Amazon, I should be able to put, like, a review that says, hey, this is a good book, right? Even if I didn't buy it from there. But I can understand with a book like this, where it is so politically charged and this becomes a thing, you would have to do something yeah. like this. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense, like a circumstantial yeah, type thing. Hundred percent, right? and you yeah. should—they should reserve that right to do that anytime for any book, because I don't think it's a—it's not. I mean, the idiots might whine and be like, "Oh, it's censorship or free speech or whatever," like a lie they want to say like that. But what it really is, I, I don't think it's a, a too much of an ask to set the bars. Like, hey, prove that you have this book, that you've read this book. You're not just some yeah. guy coming on to say that this book is whatever it might be. I mean, that's the point of having a review system is trying to ensure that it has some integrity so people can trust your reviews or else they end up like Netflix reviews, which don't seem to mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, all right, very good, very good. World Book Day, a little book talk for I you folks that. out there. Uh, guys, I have two stories this week revolving our very own Claudia Tinney. Aww. Are you excited for... Super excited. <laughs> Super excited. There's a national story and a local story. Uh, I guess we'll start with the national one first because it doesn't just pertain to her. Uh, 11 House Republicans, including Claudia Tinney, have signed a joint letter to Attorney General Jeff Sessions calling for the criminal prosecution of Hillary Clinton and a variety of other Obama administration appointees, career FBI officials, and even Trump appointee Dana Bonte, who is currently the FBI's general uh, counsel. The authors are, quote, especially mindful of the dissimilar degrees of zealousness that have marked the investigations into Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and the presidential campaign of That's Donald ironic. Trump, respectively. <laughs> That's an ironic statement. It's, 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 this is, uh, so, look, I, this is one of those kind of things that, obviously, they're not really going to pursue any of this. This is just, just to, like, to muddy the waters, yeah. right? Um, it just seems... It's funny. It just seems when like I, a waste of time. It is. When I heard that in the headlines, I was like, what? <laughs> again? Yeah. <laughs> We're here again? <laughs> uh, he was not... Uh, so, I need to say that uh, Hillary Clinton was not the only person that they wanted uh, prosecuted, mind you. They also, again, former uh, FBI Director James Comey, uh, because of his politically motivated failure to persecute Hillary Clinton, obviously. Uh, former Deputy Director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe, for his lack of candor 
because we know they don't care for candor. Uh, and then also former Attorney General Loretta Lynch for not uh, prosecuting the Uranium One deal. Um, again, folks, just remember, this is just something that people are trying to do to muddy the waters, and they want to create this idea that I can't believe we have to talk about, about, like, deep state enemies <laughs> coming to take down the president, rather than the reality that, like, most of the people who are running through this are Republicans that Trump, like, chose to be... <laughs> to do. Yeah. It's just very strange. Don't, don't be caught up by the conflated yeah. information that gets thrown out there. That's all I'm saying. So there's the national one. Good call, <laughs> Claudia. Uh, the local one has a little bit to do with the eminent domain argument that's been going on about the downtown hospital. Um, Claudia Tinney uh, condemned Utica and United County's use of eminent domain concerning property in the downtown hospital footprint, uh, saying the use of eminent domain over the proposed downtown hospital is an overreach of government. She's actually not the only person I've heard make that argument. That's like seems to be an argument I've heard a couple people say. Um, and again, I've talked to, when MVHS was on here. They didn't seem too concerned about it. They seemed as though they were right along the process of talking to people. I guess it depends on what your thoughts are on like whether you think eminent domain is something that happens in the sake uh, for the sake of progress or as a result of like what progress does to other small businesses. Uh, currently, 10 out of 13 property owners have signed purchase agreements. Uh, they have said, uh, three have said they'll not sell, five have not responded to purchase orders. Um, the reason I brought this article up is because both Anthony Vicente and uh, Mayor Palmieri were, like, throwing bombs at Claudia. <laughs> and I wanted to throw the quotes at you. Did you read the quotes about no. this? Okay. This is from uh, United County Executive Anthony Vicente. Once again, Claudia Tenney speaks before thinking. Obviously, she doesn't care about the health care of her constituents. She doesn't know anything about this project because in between her taxpayer-funded vacations to Taiwan and Egypt, she has failed to learn anything about it. While she continues to make headlines as a national embarrassment, we will await action from her on the issues facing our community, including uh, school safety, relief from FEMA, and help from our dairy farmers. Flames from Anthony. That was great. I'm, I was shocked when I read that. It was like the craziest flame ball performance that it's I've true. ever seen from him. Uh, I'm not saying anything he said is wrong. I'm not saying it's right either. Uh, Mayor Paul Mary pretty much just said the proposed hospital project is a uh, transformational one. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to bring state-of-the-art medical care and technology to our community. She's entitled to her opinions, but she is factually inaccurate in referencing our shrinking tax base as Utica's tax base has grown over the past six years to proactive uh, and aggressive economic development efforts. So there you go. Pretty standard. Uh, I don't know. I think... That's a whole big topic there. <laughs> let me ask you this question. Uh, something to think into... Just okay, We got November 2018 coming up. Do you think that the downtown hospital is going to be the major defining issue for voters around here in 2018? Is that going to be what, like, we're going to see nothing but that as it gets right toward 2018? That's the major campaign si uh, point on both sides, yes or no? I don't know. I feel like there's a limited amount of people who do care and don't care. Like, they're for it and against it, but not enough to make it more of a political... I don't know. It's really hard. There's so much going on and floating all over social media and everything. It's hard to even grasp which way this is all going to go towards election. Okay, have you got any thoughts? I mean, yeah, of course, of course, it'll be something that gets discussed. I don't think there's any any debate about that. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think there's any issue that can turn it into just a single like this is going right. to be the only thing because it's not like you know that's not really the way the system works. That's not really the way government works. It's not just like. 
a mayor can be pro-hospital and the other one can be against the hospital. And if the guy who's against it wins, he's just like, all right, we got to stop now because I'm the new mayor. Right. It doesn't exactly. really work yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So I don't think um, it will be, and it certainly shouldn't be, the only defining issue or even necessarily one of the top ones. Yeah. You know, because if the decision is going to be made to be done, then we've got to go with it. And we can't just sit there and be like, well, we haven't debated it, we haven't debated it. Once the decision is made, it's time to go. Yeah. And you can't just say we haven't debated it because you haven't gotten the answer you want from the debate. At yeah. a certain time, we've got to make the decision and go forward. So that's an attitude that I'll certainly be looking for one yeah. way or another. Very good. All right, very good, guys. Uh, that was good. Let's uh, – oh, before we get into this week's interview – uh, I got a quick I'm done with this guy for oh, this week, yeah. and it's more of an I'm done with these guys. Did you uh, notice me hold back on time? I know. I was sitting here. I, I thought didn't say you were going to, like... I didn't say a word. It was silence over I there. I didn't say a word. Well, I thought Presente hit it pretty... <laughs> is, it your, is it your foot that's holding you back? No. Okay, just checking. No. <laughs> uh, so, quick I'm done with these guys, and uh, it's these guys this week, of course, being the Syracuse University fraternity. Oh, uh, Theta Tau, like, look... Uh, and I'm not going to get into all the terrible things, like the video came out of them doing some really horrible, racist, like sexist, horrible things on camera, saying horrible things, and uh, what they did is they did something that I see a lot of people do in social media in this day and age, and I hate it. Whenever you get confronted with some horrible, terrible thing you did, you're, you do either A, guys, it was satire, like obviously we were making a point about the greater evils of racism right like you, you're missing the context of it or they say b this is just a joke like why are you guys taking it so seriously both of which are like ignorant answers mm -hmm. for being like a shitty person uh the syracuse folks show the syracuse fraternity folks mind you i'm not trying to you know demonize the entire you know student base at a wonderful university i'm saying this particular group of fraternity students used the oh this is satire like this is people who see this obviously know it's a joke whatever whatever all right, you go out and say this, and then two days later they find out there's another video where you're doing more horrible shit. So I say this, if you're going to have some weak excuse about how this is all satire and it doesn't represent anything, you should probably make sure there's not additional content of you being a scumbag ready to come out. Just know better if you're going to be a scumbag. So I'm done with these guys. Don't be a fucking racist. Pardon me. There's my F-bomb for the week. Um, they're, they're not. No, they're no longer allowed. Yeah, 18, got, 18 of them are getting gotten done. expelled. Yeah, so uh, I say good. good. Done with these guys. Done with them. Glad Syracuse University also done with them. Good for you guys. Okay, that's it. Uh, let's get to this week's interview. Uh, really, really, really nice interview uh, with Dave Delachase. Dave's a great Love friend Dave. of ours. Yeah, he's a great dude. <laughs> uh, newest member of the Uticast Two-Timers Club. It's been, he was on this show on episode 23. It's episode 146, so it's been 125 episodes Jeez. since we've talked to Dave. We got into lots of stuff. Uh, his contributions for uh, Made Utica Passport 2018. Uh, we talked about Avengers Affinity Wars coming out this weekend. We talked about <laughs> holidays. We talked about um, his new product, Lacey and Lily. He's got all sorts of stuff going on. He's a man of many, many talents, uh, and we were happy to have a nice long conversation. Dave Delachase, back to the show in just a moment.
behind the news, throwing my whole my whole scheduling <laughs> off. Uh, Dave, Dave Del Chase, it's a pleasure to have you back. Uh, this is your second time on the show, which up until just now, like right before we started sitting down, I realized that you are now a member of the Uticast Two Timers Club, which well, is hey, a, very, look at that. <laughs> a very prestigious club. And I don't have any trophies to give you because I've yet to go to the store to buy more of the trophies that I give people. That's okay because you know what? It's it's not really worth it until you hit that like SNL John the Goodman, five. you know, like eleventh, <laughs> you know, club or the Paul Simon like five timers club. That's just Parkinson and Katie. Like, <laughs> exactly. That club so and far. then you get a bathrobe. So, uh, but it's a pleasure to have you back, Dave. Uh, Glad to be here. And I I didn't realize it, and it really made me feel old. <laughs> you were on episode twenty three. We are on episode 148. Wow. Which means it has been like two plus years since you've been on the show. And I had to sit and think about it. And I was like, oh my God, has it really been wow. that long since we had a conversation? It was November 30th, 2015. That oh was my. the last time we had a conversation. Oh my gosh. Wow. So since November 30th, 2015, what have you been up to, man? How's, the, <laughs> how's things? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I've got I've got three kids now. So oh. that's, that keeps me busy. Um it, I've got uh, you know numerous projects out out in the world and, and more. You're a busy uh, guy. You know, I've seen that. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Zelinsky and I are still doing uh, holidays. Our mm. comic book series. We've we've added another comic book series to our belts called Lacey and Lily, which okay. is a kids yeah. comic about yeah. a middle school girl and her dog who are superheroes. Um, and uh, I've I've had a, a novel come out since then uh, mm. called One Miss Train. Um, got a, another one in the editing process right now. Really? Will fully come out next year. And then... Uh, How was the response on that? Um, uh, okay. Um, you know, reviews have been have been okay so far. Mm. Um, it was a bit of a darker turn. The novel, you mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a bit well, of a darker turn for me than, than my usual well, stuff. I'm usually I'm curious, a, a just because when I was living in New York, I spent a couple years chasing the novel thing. I have, like, 30,000 words on a hard drive that no one's ever <laughs> seen, right? But, like, I... It is a daunting process and it took and, and now I feel sort of so removed from it now that if I did it again I'd have to like start over not start over but I'd, I'd have to go back to what I've done before I could keep going forward like when did you know that there was like you wanted to go for something long form like that um I, I think I I had had uh, known for a while and I had tinkered with it for huh. years and I that particular book was was something that I had tinkered with for so long that yeah. I kind of got to a point where I said I could sit here and I could be George Lucas and I could sit here and I could mess with my stuff yeah. for the end of time like he did with Star Wars yes, or right, I right. can just let it go let the chips fall where they may yeah. good or bad and then I can move on to the next project it was sort of a I had to, I had to exercise it out of my system yeah exactly and, and move on to the next thing so that's kind of where I'm at now is I feel like uh, it's just it's there it's yeah. done it could be a, a good first uh, novel it could be a bad first novel it could be somewhere in between but the fact is I got out of my system and I can move on to the other projects which I'm, is something I needed to do well I only ask this because I've been I'm a huge uh, Stephen King mark I love Stephen King I've been reading a lot of the books again because I just got on a Stephen King podcast that I'm addicted mm. to I've just been like I've been listening to all of them for the last six months, and uh, because of it, I was sort of thinking again about like the novel. I'm like, whatever happened to that thing I was working on? Pull it out, dust it off, man. Uh, Dave, I have a question for you. Before we get into some of the direct topics that I feel like I want to hit before we we close up today, uh, one, I went on. uh, I've been going to get drinks with a friend of mine over the last few weeks, and she is a rabid, rabid, rabid. Kids in the Hall fan, and <laughs> I I grew up as an SNL guy, and I don't dislike Kids in the Hall. I, I'm, I need to preface that I, I enjoyed it, but as a kid, I never understood it the way that I understood 
comedy, like 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 broad SNL type comedy, right? So as I'm I'm getting a lot of flack on that front about not really being into kids in the hall. So as a guy who's posting videos on his Facebook page, <laughs> what am I? Help me understand. What was your? What did you get into kids in the hall? What's your kids in the hall vibe? Uh, kids in the hall. I I think I came across kids in the hall originally. I want to say they had reruns on Comedy Central yeah, at, at one point sure. back in the day, and that's where I discovered them. And I just. They were just so weird, it's and I, weird. I enjoyed that. And it's funny because then years later, I ended up marrying someone who turns out was on the same, uh, uh, you know, comedy path there, who had really? also discovered wow. Kids in the Hall. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it's it's kind of nice to be in marriage where you can make these random, uh, you know, Kids in the Hall references that probably only about twelve percent of the room would actually right. get. Um, but no, I I enjoy Kids in the Hall. I'm going to totally admit there are some skits that I will skip over completely, um, but others that I, I cherish very much. So my big argument about Kids in the Hall and SNL mm-hmm. is the same argument I've had for years about Steven Spielberg and David Lynch, who are two of my favorite directors. Right? Like I I love David Lynch. I love Twin Peaks and like Mulholland Drive. What a great movie! Like scarred me. Right? But then like. You look at Stephen King and uh, Steven Spielberg, right? And it's like Spielberg has all these big commercial movies. It's is it somewhat harder to write something big and commercial that everyone likes as opposed to writing like a niche thing that you know already? Like if you like David Lynch puts out a racer head, he's like, all right, seventy percent of people are not gonna like like this movie, but the thirty people who will are really gonna like it. It's an interesting dichotomy about how you choose to like what you want to do, right? Yeah. I think there's a higher ceiling for a broad commercial thing, but there's also a really low floor if nobody likes it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. The, the fall is greater. Yeah, the fall is much greater, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I guess that could apply to anything. I mean, if you're going to... I mean, comedy itself is subjective. Comedy's but, tough anyway, yeah. But, you know, you can write or, or perform something that you are working meticulously to make sure that everybody yeah. loves, but you always, I mean, and again, I'm not knocking anybody cause I like, I, I like both. I like SNL and I like kids at the hall, but I feel like anything, especially comedy wise, you could write something and you can try to make it appeal to the broadest audience possible. There's a chance you're going to succeed and Hey, everybody, but it's so rare that everybody is going to like something. It's, it's true. It's, you know, so you might as well just go with your gut and what you find funny. And maybe a lot of people find it funny or maybe it's, maybe it's, it's that cult following that, to find it funny. I, I really think it it's interesting way. too. Cause like, I, I always see like, you look at like, I go back to the David Lynch thing. Like I'm trying to think what the most mainstream David Lynch thing was. <laughs> like, I guess, would, I guess Twin Peaks, right? probably I guess. would be it. And even that is considered like, wow, wow, what a weird show by mm-hmm. most people, right? So I guess by I, mainstream I standards, it's considered a very weird, yeah. show but it's the most mainstream thing that he's yeah done. it's definitely Absolutely. more mainstream than like lost highway or something yeah. right mm-hmm. um okay so that's i just had to ask that's no, what that's i, I had to ask. hey that's right uh and the other one is this i've been thinking a lot about comics because of everything that justin's been pitching at me with this passport which we're going to get into in a minute but um i was trying to go back to like what it is about comic books that i because i didn't buy a lot of comic books as a kid i liked comic book stores i liked comic book characters, I liked, like, animated, I liked the X-Men and Batman TV series. I used to get just the Dark Horse Comics Godzilla series. I know that's super random, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I'm, like, a huge Godzilla mark, so when that came out, that was, like, the first time in a long time that I was like, I gotta go to the store and get, like, uh, this sent to my, like, You box. remind me afterwards, I have a Godzilla story. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it. And, uh, and one of the things I was trying to figure out, though, is... I don't know what my hook necessarily was for comics. Like, what about it it was? I guess maybe Batman, but for me, I always think it was the lore of comics. The idea that these characters have these long backstories and histories and, uh, and like, 
ups and downs and villains and it's and again I'm a wrestling guy too and wrestling is very similar if you're you know if you're Hulk Hogan or they have Rock storylines this ongoing 20 30 you know depending on how long you're there for storylines and that I guess when I came out is the lore was really what got me and I guess for you like growing up what was it that hooked you with the comics was it the art was it the characters like what was your first Gosh. moment um well I remember the you know I remember the first comic that I ever read which was an Uncle Scrooge comic Uncle and Scrooge yeah Uncle yeah Uncle Scrooge yeah. really got and that was my <laughs> yeah. I always say that the Disney Ducks were like my gateway drug to yes. comics because it was Uncle Scrooge Donald Duck and then all of that slowly over the years led to you know uh you know DC Comics and you know it was it it, it kind of all started making its way and, and everything ex- expanded mm. um but um I don't know if there was any one particular thing. I mean, anything in general. Like you were talking about d- design a, a yeah. little while ago. Um, I mean, comics are comics are, are visual design in 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 action because mm. I mean the whole purpose of a comic book cover is to lure the reader in and yeah. make them say like, oh hey, I wanna I wanna read what's what's going on here. Why is why is Plastic Man you know uh, belting the head <laughs> off of a robot on this comic book cover? I need to know what's going on here. I got to drop my my thirty five cents back in the day thirty five cents four ninety nine today. But you know um, I I think that in you know they are made from even a design standpoint to to lure you in to mm. want to know what what's going on be you know uh, behind that mm. cover. I mean that goes back to. The, to 1938 with the first action comics with like Superman carrying the car over his head. I mean, it's just such a a, a visual catch. And that's the thing that's interesting because I was talking to Justin about this uh, a couple days ago when we were, matter of fact, we're looking at that Plastic Man cover, which is terrible radio <laughs> for the folks who are listening to it, but it's sitting here right in front of us and I sort of like, that's, in this era when that came out, it was probably considered trash art, right? Like, it was probably like, 30, I mean, like, now you look at it and I'm like, this is almost like pop art. You can see this framed somewhere and it's just interesting the way that your percept like the public perception of art has changed. Oh yeah, a lot a lot of the guys who started in the the yeah. industry in the 40s, 50s, even 60s. I mean, a lot of those guys were doing those jobs and were either moved on to or were looking to move on to more legitimate careers yeah, in yeah, advertising yeah. Or, or other yeah. kinds of visual art forms. Um, you know, and comics was just this this low grade kind of you know, job that, that people, you know, uh, took on in, uh, very, in, in very fast-paced uh, ways, which mm. is why a lot of the art back then, with the exception of, of, of a few of the, mm. the legendary artists, kind of looks a little sloppy by today's standards. I mean, it was, it was a, a quick turnaround shop to, to get these things done. Well, I never understood the idea of this, though, right? Like, because I know that back in the day, right, like, the guys who created, like, Batman and Superman didn't really get like, the, I don't know the rights are for, like, owning, like... Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stories with right, that. Right. But, like, <laughs> if you, like... But I don't know how that works today. Now, if you come up with a comic book character, if you come up with, I don't know, uh, Woodman, he's made of wood, right? <laughs> like, you don't own that character if you make it for somebody else. Is that the it depends. It depends on the on the contract. And yeah. I think it depends on who runs the publishing companies. Like, you own time. everything that, like, is in Yeah, any, anything that, 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 that Andrew and I have done has all been creator-owned. And you, know, you, you hear that term a lot these days yeah. is the creator-owned industry, which is, uh, you know, a lot of, of uh, characters and franchises and things that are made are, are owned by those who create mm. it. In some cases, even if uh, publishers pick them up, they're still contractually uh, the publisher, yeah. but the, the creator still own it and can work out their own media deals and, and things like that. Back in the day, that, that didn't happen. And, and it still doesn't always happen today. I mean, it it, it all depends on the contracts with the publisher and, mm. and what's, you know, especially when you're dealing with giant publishers. You know, you've got, you know, DC, which is owned by Warner Brothers. You've yeah. got Marvel, which is owned by Disney. I mean, those are two totally different entities. You know? <laughs> it's funny because Universal Studios in Florida has a Marvel 
superheroes themed like island, right? Oh, cool. But now Disney <laughs> owns Marvel. So they're only at Universal Studios in Florida is there this weird licensing agreement <laughs> where they're like, yeah, but it, yes, but it's okay for you guys you to have a Hulk theme ride right yeah. here in your thing. Uh, and it's, the other one I read too is uh, this new Deadpool movie is coming out, but they can't use the costume that Deadpool uses in the comics. Because oh, really? They, yeah, they had to license like the movie. It's super, yeah. which seems very odd. Like it just all seems there very are nitpicky. so many <laughs> loops and hoops and everything when it comes to copyright in in, in these issues. It's crazy. It's insane. So I gotta ask. I was uh, I went to the website before you came over, theholidayscomics.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things I was looking at, you guys had your it was a uh, ad up for the Krampus so Holiday Spectacular. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I noticed that the artwork you did in the cover, was that uh, the cover art on that? that I think on the end you're looking at was the cover art, yep. Yeah, um, it had that old EC Comics, like Tales from the Crypt uh, vibe, which were the comics that scared me when I saw them (laughs) as a kid. Was that like, that was obviously a pointed reference you wanted to make. Exactly, that that cover art was by uh, by Andrew, Andrew Linsky, and and that was exactly it. He he, he had said like, oh, we do this Cramps thing, I really want it to look like an old EC comic. (laughs) EC comics, yeah. You know, and and, yeah, we were pitching ideas back and forth, and you know, Mm. it was great. Yeah, that was exactly it. What's uh what's sort of up on the docks? I know you guys got uh Saturday, March thirtieth, you're gonna be at the there's a convention or something I saw you guys promoting? Uh let's see. I know Andrew's gonna be at, at, at right, Union uh, Station. Andrew's gonna be at uh playing uh, toying around in Johnstown in, oh, okay. in on May twelfth, yes. I think. Um so he'll be there. They're doing like a big anniversary at the store in, in, in Johnstown. They have a lot bunch of uh, artists and, nice. and stuff and he'll be there. I, I have a prior commitment um mm. at the um the Canastota Public Library, actually. They oh, always nice. they always do a, a, an event the week after Free Comic Book Day. Uh, they're like promoting literacy and things, day, and, and uh, <laughs> they asked me to, to, to go, and, and I really like... Um, and, and it's run by, um, not the library, but the event is run by Gary Van Riper, who's the author of the uh, Adirondack Kids book series, oh, nice. uh, which is a popular kids series. And he's a he's a great guy, so when he, he reached out, I was like, absolutely, yes, I'll go do it. You mentioned you're reaching out and doing like a, a more kids-themed uh, work a little bit. Yes. What was it called again? A Lacey and Lily. Lacey and Lily. Uh, Lacey and Lily. It's a it's a, a comic book series about a, a middle school girl um, named Lacey Cunningham who, um, when her grandmother passes away, she inherits her grandmother's dog uh, as well as as many other things that show up at the house. And in a uh, trunk of her grandmother's old clothes, she discovers uh, these costumes. Uh, and she uh, her dog Lily are playing around. And when they put the costumes on, they find that they give them superpowers, mm. and so they become superheroes nice. naturally. Nice. And of course, uh, as you do, as you do, <laughs> and start fighting crime. And uh, so you know the uh, the first three chapters of it are, are uh, out right now digitally uh, on Amazon and on uh, Comixology, and they'll be collected in graphic novel form um, before the end of the year. Um, but it's. Uh, you know, it's it's a story about a, a young girl who you know discovers you know you know the power within by by finding uh, you know this Wonderful. this outside power. It's it's really a lot of fun and it has a lot. It harkens back to a lot of the old uh, Silver Age '60s comics. Like a lot nice. of the the villains are very ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like I think one of our villains is like the Wordsmith, which is like a combination of like a blacksmith with like literary themes. And uh, you know. I wish that I had my. I don't remember. If I I had some of the worst made up comic book villains <laughs> when I was a kid. There would. Dr. Wallaby, he was a wallaby. Oh, I like that. And then, uh, oh God, there was another one. The Big Cheese, he's just, he was a big, like, Wheel of Cheese? He, no, he's a big, muscular, giant, like, Jack wrestler dude. Uh-huh. But he had, like, a head made of Swiss cheese. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, again, I don't remember why. I just, 
I, you know, the, the big fun, there bar. must be something with kids and cheese because because uh, me and my friends would come up when we were kids called, <laughs> called Mr. Cheese. Yeah, was like Mr. Freeze, and he would say things, and he would he would always cheese say puns. he was always like cheese puns, like that's Gouda for me, you know, like and things like that's that. actually better than the Schwarzenegger. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I actually saw a clip of that last week, and I I did actually laugh like legitimately. When yeah, I was like, this is so. I bad. remember seeing that in the theater too. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I actually just went to the theater to go see a superhero movie, which I've not. I went to go see Black Panther. Uh, like, was it good? I haven't seen it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it, it answers a really interesting question that I've had about comics, uh, comic book movies in particular lately. I keep like saying to myself, right, and I I was gonna get into this later, but we'll get into it now because uh, why not? We're right here. <laughs> so this week, next week coming out from the time we talk about this, this is not the reason I brought you on. Uh, Avengers: Avengers Infinity, Infinity War coming out, gonna be the biggest, gonna make all the money. But I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I bet you there's an upper limit to to this particular movie because if you want to go see this movie, you got to be in on at least enough of the Marvel's 18 to 25 other movies to have some investment to watch the film, right? And inherently, doesn't that cap out your audience at a certain... Like, you're not going to pull in somebody off the street who's never seen a Marvel movie to be like, I need to see what Purple Josh Brolin's all about, yeah. right? But then, when I went to see Black Panther, I said, see, this is the movie, these are the movies you need to make with comic licenses. A movie that, while it's connected to this overarching, multi-billion dollar universe, it tells an amazing, single, standalone story, and you could watch it without having any prerequisite, and just go, wow, this is a really captivating story. Um, and I wonder if that's just, you know, I think part of it is that I don't know if a lot of people knew about any of the Black Panther, like, source material yeah, before yeah. they came in. Like, it's probably true. has a really rich, captivating world they created, and I think that most people are aware of, like, Gotham and Metropolis and, like, the New York City of Marvel Universe, but yeah. Wakanda had a really interesting vibe to it. it it's interesting you say that, because now, now there's, the, I, have, I have two thoughts there. There's the one that, that you, where you mentioned, you know, people aren't as familiar, which actually is really good, because, you know, when, mm, the, when the right. studios are pulling for this material... Pulling from the the lesser known, at least by a mainstream standard, right, material, right. it gives you more flexibility, and and it's it's something new to to movie going audiences yeah. or to TV audiences. Whereas, I mean, how many times do we need to see Superman's origin? You know, how many times do we need to see Batman's origin? We right. people the, pop the Spider-Man culture is, one is the one that gets me. Yeah, this pop culture in general, it's it's it becomes woven into the fabric of pop culture so much that like. You know, you don't, you know, people are aware of that. So I, I actually think there's probably more of an appeal, for me anyway, I think there's more of an appeal, and maybe there's other people like me, in these heroes who haven't gotten that kind of time in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, I could do without another Batman or Superman movie, yes. you know, but I would be very interested in seeing, you know, characters like like Black Panther or a, or a Plastic Man or a, Plastic, you know. The Plastic Man one drives me nuts that nobody's jumped on this license. You know, or any of these characters that people, the mainstream, aren't as familiar with because there's just, you know, there's so much more you can do with them that hasn't been done. Whereas we've just seen so much with with, with Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. I just, you know. Um, the other thing I, I want to mention, I'm sorry for, for babbling, is no, no. You know, you're talking about like the standalone versus these yes. like bigger yeah. universe spreading things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's, it's, um, I don't know if symptom is the right word, but just of our media, our pop culture media mm -hmm. in general. Um, I mean, because look at look at TV shows. Yeah. It's very rare for you to have a TV show these days that you can, I mean, unless it's a sitcom, that you can you can tune in, watch an episode, and like, hey, I didn't know anything about this, but hey, this is pretty good. That's correct. If I turn yeah. on, and I mean, even shows that I watch, 
you know, same thing. I watch a lot of the, the CW shows, like The Flash. And, yeah, and Arrow, Legends Arrow, Arrow, and stuff like that. And I, and I like those shows. But if I hadn't started from the beginning, if I had turned yeah. them on in the middle of a week, I would have no idea what the hell was going on because oh, yeah, you sure. have to watch week after week after week and there's these giant storylines and, the movies, and yeah. the movies are the same way and I, I don't know if that's a necessarily a good thing from a storytelling standpoint. The best Marvel movies in general that have dealt with that have sort of made their references to the outer universe very oblique or kept it at like there is a reference to the larger marvel universe in black panther they sort of save it till the end and then very early on they're like hey remember this guy who died yeah he's dead remember him <laughs> all right there you go um i think also with that movie though what the smartest thing that marvel has done and i i don't love to give marvel credit because i feel like their comic book industry has done very poorly over the last few years with terms of like that's just my opinion but um I think the smartest thing that they've done as opposed to what DC has done, which I could do a whole other thing into, but Marvel realized, okay, let's get good directors and actors and let them do their thing with an IP. Like, So instead of just like, let's make a third Captain America movie about the Civil War, right, which was fine. Let's get uh, uh, Tata Watiti to do... Thor, right? Let's get Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman to do Black Panther because they're really good and they're... Let, them, yeah. let them do their let thing. Let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the best move. Is sort of... And again, for a long time, I think if you are a content creator, right? You're Marvel or you're DC. These are your... This is your intellectual property. This is your... The golden goose, right? I always think about, like, Nintendo is very particular about this because... Their intellectual property, Mario, Donkey Kong, like, like Zelda, that is their bread and butter mm-hmm. and they're terrified to give that IP to Anybody. DreamWorks and be like hey DreamWorks make a Mario movie and they're yeah. like what is this right mm-hmm. they did it in the 80s and they ended up with that Bob Hoskins John Leguizamo <laughs> I remember watching horrendous <laughs> uh, so but again then I wonder like you couldn't I don't know if you could make a big budget movie today about superheroes that didn't have Marvel or DC or a known license, right? Like you, You'd have it, much harder. It'd be hard, right? Mm-hmm. They tried that movie with was Chronicle, which is actually a pretty good movie, but I don't think people watched it, right? Like I don't. I, it's, it's disconcerting that you need some sort of existing. The expectations yeah. have, have become yeah. what what they are because these these tentpole mm-hmm. movies and and there may you know does that reduce the ability mm-hmm. for something smaller? I mean, but you see something like well, it's still a big studio. Like, I mean, you have Fox when they did, um, like, Logan. Logan was an interesting movie, I'll and, tell you and, what. And, you know, and they did it, you know, in, in a very different way than a, you know, than a superhero movie. They made it like a Western. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so there may be, you know, but again, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Um, but I think you're right. I think that the expectation has just become that if you're going to go see a superhero movie, you know, this is what it's going to be. Right. And anything beyond that, people would kind of mm. um, scoff at. I'm surprised that there aren't people digging more into not the superhero aspect of comic IP but there's tons and tons of really like excellent like graphic novels that I think about all the time that would be wonderful either movies or big scale like Netflix HBO television series right mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I think that's actually something that more I'm surprised more aren't like, doing that aren't doing that because I feel like the series gives you more context to build stories than like these big standalone movies which tend to be centered around some event like a Thanos or an Ultron yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. One of one of my favorite um, graphic novels to to um, screen, which was not superhero, was Road to Perdition. Mm. 
Okay, because, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, oh, really? That was a graphic novel, huh. and, and you know, I thought it was a great movie. You know, it was a Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, I think. It was Tom, yeah, it was Tom yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. That's since a good I saw one, actually. Jude Law as well. Yeah, and I really liked that movie, and you know, a lot of people don't think. I mean, you you could go watch that movie. You don't you don't need to know that, but you know, a lot of people wouldn't think like, oh, hey, yeah. this started as a comic, you mm. know, because it's just it. Most people identify comics as as the superhero genre. Um, which is right. understandable because for yeah. so many years that was the dominating thing. Of course. But there's just so much more out there. There's wonderful like stories being told about other things mm-hmm. in graphic novel form. I always go back to this one called uh, Scalped, which is this really wonderful series that uh, Jason Aaron did. I can't think of his name now. He, he wanted to work on Thor afterwards. I can't okay. think of his name, but it's wonderful. It was it was just great great work. And I was like, this is begging to be turned into like an HBO series. Like it's it was a hundred thousand percent and. I think that that's sort of the thing. I guess that was my question for you. Like, so let's say they, uh, you know, big television, big movie industry, they're coming for you. <laughs> they say, Dave, we want to turn uh, holidays into a project. Like, we're going to turn it into some sort of visual medium. Would you prefer to have a movie, or would you prefer to have like a platform, like a series or something, to extend out? I think it it all depends on the concept. Something like Holidays is, yeah. is is written to be a standalone, like comedies, whereas each issue of the book is like its own episode, episode yeah, of yeah, yeah. a sitcom, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, with wacky shenanigans yeah. within that episode, and then boom, it's done, and the next issue has nothing to do with anything else that, that happened before, just another wacky situation. So for something like Holidays, I, I would say always uh, like some kind of uh, show because sure, you, yeah because you you know it, it would you'd want it to be or i, I would want it to be where mm-hmm. it's 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 like that you know like this episode yeah. this way i mean when it comes to holidays that was always our concept was like you know who santa is you know who the tooth fairy is you yeah. know who, who the easter bunny is these are just our versions of them you don't need to be well versed in our versions of them you can pick them up yeah. and immediately get like this is saint patty this is the easter bunny and this is the situation yeah, yeah. something like Lacey and lily um you know that's totally different different right. thing because we're telling a a larger mm-hmm. superhero story in in uh, chapters. And right. So for that, you know, uh, it's one giant story broken up into these small chapters like acts, and and that I would, you know, I, Andrew and I always joke like, you know, like this is like made for Pixar. You know, yeah. it's like it's 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 just that type of story, and it's you know, if I could ever get into somebody's hands, <laughs> hey, fantastic. Uh, well, I guess that any <laughs> Pixar people listening, hey, yeah, to any cast listening right now, right now please <laughs> get a hold of us. You can call me, and let me flip this one around for you as well. Yeah. The other side of this. Yeah. So let's say they came to you and said, "We want you to make a movie about an existing character, an existing IP. Ooh. Which existing IP would you most be interested in doing a project for?" Mm, gosh, that is is tough because. I wouldn't even know where to begin. I mean, there's such a vast yeah, library. Such a huge I, mean, library. I think about the fact that, like, you know, like, just so let's, like the, let me, the useless knowledge of DC Comics, like, history. And so the let's trim it just to superheroes me. then. Okay. Like, so, what particular underused superhero do you think is in desperate need of an update? I would love to see, not necessarily a superhero as much as a superhero team. Mm. I would love to see the Justice Society of yeah, America. Yeah, JSA. Because the Justice <laughs> yes. League gets all these props, but the Justice Society predating the Avengers, predating the Justice League was, was comics' first super team. And I think that a movie or, or a TV series or some some kind of media form, even an animated series, yeah. set in World War II yeah. when the Justice Society first came out. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was that, was that era of, of comic books is really something... Uh, to behold, especially when you when now looking back at it in a historical context, it is is amazing because so many of those books were 
really out there as a, a cheerleading and, and you know to to a, a some extent almost like an american yeah. propaganda piece oh yeah you know yeah, it's yeah. drumming up support i've for heard a lot war. about that over the last few years and, <laughs> and i think that it would you know um be fascinating to see a 1940s set series film something with those characters in it i just feel like it's an untapped resource marvel kind of got into it with captain america in the first movie the first one yeah and then the um the agent carter tv series that they did which, which was good <laughs> i really liked and it got canceled but it could be because i am a sucker for like 1940s period pieces yeah, yeah. so there is a, a just so much content that's out right now like the, you're starting actually to get though and i i've noticed you're starting to get content that's not good right yes. like i well that's always i watch yeah. the inhumans series for that one episode i was like this is not good this well because somebody so, you know executives are are, are are seeing how much money they're banking on these other things yeah. and then it's like well, what else do we got what else do we got and they're you know they're rifling through you know there's anything reason, there's a reason the inhumans never got over with comics fans <laughs> because they were like the knockoff x-men mm-hmm. and we know that you don't have the rights to the x-men anymore we know that you want to get in that market you can't Stop trying to make the Inhumans happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> the, <laughs> Except Black Bolt. Black no, Bolt's right. <laughs> Black Bolt's okay. The movies, and you're making me think of the Godzilla thing I wanted to tell Oh, yeah. Because just, this, week, just this weekend, mm. I had read that it was it was discovered in some, some old writings that are kept at a mm. college university somewhere, um, that there in the 1960s, there was a treatment made that never got off the ground um, for a sequel to the 1966 Batman movie. You know, mm-hmm. there's the TV series and then they made the movie. Yeah, yeah. There was going to be a second, or there was a treatment at least for a second Batman movie, Batman Battles Godzilla. Really? And it oh, would have been, amazing. it would have had Adam West <laughs> Batman, Burt Ward Robin <laughs> taking on Godzilla. And I, I read this article oh. and I was like, Oh my God! Somebody get me a time machine <laughs> and William Dozier's home address, the guy who produced the show, because this I need to change history because this would have been phenomenal. I'm gonna have to cut this out of the show because I think that this is the plot for the new Godzilla movie that's coming out. Damn it's, it. it's, it's 2019. Oh. I'm such a mark for Godzilla that like I I did have the some of the Marvel comics old I forget what oh, Godzilla the Godzilla ones from yeah. them where. It was sort of cartoony Godzilla, and like the shield was following him. And there was an animated series too, I think, at one point. There was there was a Hanna Barbera animated series, which is only watchable (laughs) for the intro, which is amazing. Godzilla, yeah, it's got like this really intense, like up from the depths (laughs) Godzilla, and then out of nowhere it gets really quiet, and they sing about Godzuki, which is the downfall (laughs) of the show, which is just like we we need a Scrappy Doo character for Godzilla because Godzilla's not lovable, so. Let's make Scrappy Godzilla, and that's what they did. Um, and it's, it's, Godzilla's another one because I love the IP so much. But also, I understand why it's hard to make like a really good Godzilla movie. Like, There's only so much you can do with this. There's no character development to be done no. with like a giant rampaging death lizard. You mm-hmm. have to build the characters into the humans, which is inherently the part that nobody cares about exactly. in the movie. It's like, just get us to the stuff. This is where Godzilla's movie. knocking over buildings. That's all I want to see. So I don't know how much we can get into this, and I want to talk about it before we get into our lightning round question. Okay. Uh, but I know that our 2018 passport for the for Made in Utica passport is pre-order available. Go to madeinutica.com. I know we've already started taking pre-orders for it. Uh, I know, and I, again, I don't know how much we can get into at about At risk what, of death at the hands ah, of Justin Parkinson. I'm not worried about <laughs> Justin. Please, Justin, come fight me. Come at me. Uh, no, Justin and I, I, I know, but I don't, I don't know how much of the process I'd like to get into before what we got to where we are now. Because initially... I want to say that in in our mind, in the Made in Utica Founders page, where we were like going, we send all of our messages back and forth. 
the idea for a long time was we were going to do like heavy 90 style like back to the future like uh save the bell graphics like backwards mtv hats and dumb like really like 90 style and somewhere along the way I don't know if someone else was doing some sort of 90s thing or we just got it in our head that like everyone's doing 90s thing. All of a sudden, one day it was just like comics. We're doing comics as the new as the, as the new changeover. <laughs> and uh, so all of a sudden he's reaching out. We're, we're going back and forth with comic books and just really digging into it. And uh, I think it was, it was probably either me or Kate who was like, did you talk to Dave? And did you guys reach out to Dave about this? Like he knows what he's talking about <laughs> with this. So when when Justin came to you to talk to you about like Questions I'm sure asking about design layout things like that. How little? How over? How in over his head is Justin? I guess is, is, what, I'm, is what I'm asking you. <laughs> um, no, you know Justin. Just he he came to me and said, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, you know, we want to do this comic book theme. This is uh, you know my idea for it. You know, you take it where you want to go with it. But this is was what I was thinking. Um, we have a turnaround time of this amount of time, yeah. so you <laughs> know, it's got to it's got to be done within this short amount of time to get it done. So then immediately I went into like, okay. Well, all right. Let's see what we can minimize to, to in order to make sure we get we get done in that amount of time. But um, I'm I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say. Um, I think it's neat because I think we're highlighting the, the local businesses mm. while at the same time telling um, yeah. uh, we're actually telling a story yeah. with yeah. it, which is yeah. which is cool too. In in a, in a way, in a way that as mm. much of a way as we we can with our, our short production time. Yeah. But um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, I'm I'm excited about it. Well, because initially, and I, I you know I'll throw Justin under the bus a little bit. <laughs> initially, I think what he wanted to do was basically like find a template. Like, is there, is there, like, a comic panel template? And I, I want to say we were, I was sort of telling them, I was like, there's more to it than that. It's not, like, this is not, like, a resume where you're, like, copy someone's resume format and put all my stuff in. <laughs> but I, I think that a lot of times, like, for, you have to sort of visualize that concept. You have to have an idea in your head of what you think that format's going to look like before you even start laying it out, I would say. I, I don't I'm just... Yeah, I mean, and and there's you know it's going to be a, a again how much I'm I'm supposed to say and how much I'm not it's it's going to be a blend of, of mm. design and original art. Yeah, yeah. So nice. it won't be you know it's it's not going to be you know twelve fully yeah. done rendered like art pages. Yes. It will be a blend. I mean, and that's just with time constraints. Oh yeah. Do, um, but at the same time, it's also worked out to be I think not only a nice blend but a nice way to uh, highlight have those businesses highlighted while at the same time telling this like original story yeah. with all these nods to those businesses. Um, again, without really too much. <laughs> well, again, folks, makeunica.com, you can go pre-order your passports now. I'm really excited for it. I've really, I've seen some of the mock-ups of stuff that uh, he's shown me already. So I, I actually have them, again, for some bad radio folks, I have some <laughs> of the mock-ups right here that you can't see. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all turns out. I think you all should, too. Uh, so, Dave, I want to thank you for coming in today. Thank I've you already, for having me. I've already kept you much longer than I planned on keeping you. But uh, do you have a few minutes to do a quick lightning round? And Absolutely, always. And I guess I'll start here. Um, one of my biggest issues with comic book, creating comic book characters as a kid and as I get older, like paying attention to comic books, is the origin story. We've talked about this before, right? There's a fine line between, like, an interesting origin story and a stupid origin story. Yes. Now... Is there, is there somewhere, I don't know what your, like, your history in creating origin stories for characters is, but I always feel like at the end of the day, every character I've ever created ends up with the same origin story, which is, 
uh, asteroid falls out of the sky <laughs> and lands in his backyard, and then he touches it, and then it overcomes him like the blob, and now he has powers. I need something. I falls into vat of chemicals. Yeah, falls into vat of chemicals. <laughs> I feel like it's hard, especially nowadays. Like if you're trying, like obviously you're suspending belief when it comes to comics, but like I read some comic book origins. Like I. The, the, the Flash, you're reading the Flash's comic book origins? It's like... Every, I, every Flash has the same comic book origin, which, which you know, in its day is very charming, because I'm a big fan of the Flash, I always have been. You know, the, the, the 1940s, you know, lab accident, chemical spill, inhales the fumes, I've got super speed, you know, 1960s, you know, oh, lab accident, I've been struck by lightning with chemicals, I've got super always speed. Always chemicals. You know, it's always, the, it's always the same thing, you know, so I, when it comes to origin stories, I, I'm a firm believer, and not everybody agrees with me, with me that you don't always have to have an origin story, at least not in the beginning. Right. Uh, I always feel like a, a good story with a good character can be just as interesting. Um, sometimes it's better to have a, a character that kind of comes onto the, the page or, mm. or the screen fully developed and leave that bit of mystery or drop hints. Mm. And, and I say drop hints because maybe the maybe the creators don't exactly know what that origin is yet, but maybe well, they've got pieces of it, you know? Swamp Thing's kind of like that. I'm a huge Swamp Thing guy. I, I loved... Uh, I remember reading the series. I can't think of what the hell his name. I'm gonna lose Alan Moore. Am I, am I uh, well, Len, uh, Len Ween created him, and then yeah. I think Alan Moore was the one who like took him yeah. to like gigantic. There, there's, a, there's a Swamp Thing one yeah. in that pile somewhere. I'm trying to forget which one I have. But Re- it's like once again, great radio. It's, <laughs> it's when it's, it's whatever era it was when it was mature, right? Yes, it was like for yeah, the mature yeah, readers. Alan Moore, yeah. yep. mm-hmm. And um, what I always thought was interesting about Swamp Thing is the the, the character's gimmick was he was a, a scientist, right? And he gets uh, he's working on the in the bayou in his, in his mansion, and he gets the chemicals on him. And he goes into the <laughs> once again it's the, the chemicals, chemicals. <laughs> yeah, and he goes into uh, the swamp and he becomes the swamp thing. But I, what Alan Moore did inherently was that the guy, Doctor Alec Holland, in years later he modified it so that when Alec Holland went into the water, he died. He died, and the swamp thing is not. Dr. Holland, he is just... It's like this elemental... Yeah, the elemental... Yeah. Uh, it really, like, expanded the origin. And I think that was interesting. Like, okay, we have this origin that worked for a really long time, but now that we this are in the 80s, right, like, yeah. we gotta update it and make it a little more interesting. And that's when the Swamp Thing comics turned into, like, just, like, acid trips on paper. Yes, well, like anything someone, with Alan Moore, yeah, usually. Someone ate a spore off the Swamp <laughs> Thing, and now they're on drugs, right? It's super weird. Uh... So, yeah, yeah, that's my... I always think that's the one where I was, like, I would probably strike out nine times out of ten is with my origin stories. You know, there's a saying There's a, there's a, a saying in, in journalism that I think applies to a lot of writing. When in doubt, leave it out. Yeah. You know, like, if, if you have doubt about something, you're not sure yeah. about it, don't put it in your article. Um, but I, I think that could apply in, in with restrictions, you know, in, in writing, too. If you don't have... If it come, it, we'll, we'll talk specifically about comics. But I mean, if you don't have like that origin story yeah. that it, you personally, as, as the creator, feel is amazing or yeah. wows you, skip it. Don't tell it. You right. know, wait until you have it before you tell it. Yeah, if you think about just it, keep going. It's only in comics movies that it seems like this is important too, because like yeah. you, you don't go watch you don't watch Jaws and then you go what made him a killer shark? Yeah, where did J- where did Brody come from? What was he doing before this? How did he become a cop? I don't care. He's yeah. a cop. He's obviously a cop. Exactly, but yeah, but it's like been ingrained yeah. in super, the superhero genre like that we need to care about that. Um before with lightning round question, I just got to ask, I always ask uh, our folks who come on who have kids little parents corner. Uh you have three children. Three children. What's your biggest major concern as a parent today? And don't tell me Fortnite. <laughs> You're probably too young for Fortnite. Um Honestly, I always say it's it's. Um, well, I guess it would be two things. I, I always feel that it's it's 
trying to raise kind people yes. in a world that, that, and maybe this is pessimistic of me, but can seem increasingly narcissistic and, and, yeah. and uh, unkind. You know, you're trying yeah. to uh, teach one thing that you, you fear is overwhelmingly the opposite yeah. out in the real world. For a lot of kids right now, I do just the middle school kids I deal with, um, there's never been a time in the world when it's easier to be mean and cruel and face no repercussions than it's, right now. Like, I've never I seen a time that I've grown up like this. Yeah. I agree with you. And that's, and that, you know, it, it can be kind of daunting. You know, yeah. my wife and I have these conversations yeah. all the time that, you know, like you, you're trying to teach these kids this one thing and then you, but you're, you, as an adult, you're seeing in the world every day this, this, the constant bullying negativity. Well, it's and, interesting. And, Even on your Facebook page, I saw you, your kids watching Mr. Rogers, which is wild. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, my son had discovered that they had, um, you know, Mr. Rogers and, um, on uh, PBS Kids. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, uh, I, I, this is at the risk of all the, the parents who are going to tell me, like, oh, my God, you, you let your child near an electronic device, which I'm not that person. <laughs> Believe me. I am a minimum. I try to be a minimalist. I, I'm not the kind Baby of person who can. Babysitters are expensive. <laughs> I'm not the kind of person who can, you know, I don't give the kid the phone. But we, we have a, a tablet at the house, and we do allow our oldest son, yeah. um, uh, like, once a week sometime on yeah. the tablet. Um, you know, as long as behavior allows it. And one of the things that, that, that he likes to do is use the PBS Kids app. And they've recently put Mr. Rogers um, on the PBS Kids app. Yeah, yeah. So he's been like binge watching the time, the allotted time that he gets to be on the tablet, he's been using to like binge watch Mr. Rogers as if it was like Stranger Things. And I, I'm just like, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very proud of that. I think it's awesome. And I think that it speaks to uh, kind of the longevity of, of the Mr. Rogers concept. And I won't get too into it because um, I saw you posted on the Facebook. I've seen the video. There's that video that's been going around of Mr. Rogers going in front of like, Oh like, God. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. It gets me in video. the gut. I love yeah, that. It's oh. a good one. Uh, and again, you're still doing. It looks like you're still doing the dad blog as well. Yes, thedorkydaddy.com yeah. is is still up and running. Um, it, it, I always joke that sometimes I'm too busy being a dad than, <laughs> yeah. than to write about being a dad, but you're I try to guy. get to it as much as I can. You have a lot of stuff you tie yourself into. With a three, I, I you're right. You are right. I'm I'm not gonna play shy there, but like, um, and with three kids, you know, taking on all these projects, I'm I'm probably clinically insane. So. Uh, okay, lightning round questions. These are not the same lightning round questions because we've already asked you the lightning round questions. Okay. So I had to come up with some different ones. All right. Uh, all right, if you had total autonomy, which game show would you go on and which do you think you'd be the most successful at? Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares? I love, that's a good one. I love Hollywood Squares. School. I'm on a really hard kick right now with <laughs> Japanese game shows on YouTube. Uh-huh. There's one that I'll, I'll make you watch before I leave. It's pretty good. Uh, they have four guys who sit on top of a wall made of boxes and they pick like uh, there's a big screen with numbers like 1 through 20 and you pick the numbers and each number has a really vague term on the other side like volleyball or revenge and what'll happen is a door will open and if you get the volleyball one like a team of volleyball players will come out and, and built hit, you and hit, <laughs> throw like volleyballs at the wall and the person who wins is the last person on the wall <laughs> it's the most outrageous game I need it to be they're notorious for their game shows I love over it. there I'm, they I'm really addicted. are my YouTube it's my biggest YouTube deep dive alright Sybil oh, sorry go ahead no no I no no Hollywood Squares that would be it yeah is that, is that on TV still? I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. See, I like vintage Hollywood squares. So you the ones like that the had the, the one, No, no. I like the ones that had you know, like you know, like a Rosemary and a Charles doesn't run. You know, Paul. Charles and I'm the Secret Square. You know, like I coming only in. The I know him from game shows. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of those guys, like our generation, especially like yeah. in the '80s, watched. You know, those game shows were still on television, so you were seeing a lot of those folks from those old sitcoms. Like I'm making the, the game show. Around. It's sort of like the equivalent of today, where you see like. 
I'm a musician who's not making an album right now, so I'm going to go work on The Voice. Or, like, I'm just going to yes, sit... Yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. I got nothing going on, so I'll just, you know, I'll only spend some time here. Um, same question, autonomy. Full autonomy is yours. Uh, what's your number one breakfast cereal? Mmm. Um, there's... I, I can't even think of the brand. It's something like Nature's Place or something. Oh. They make They make this <laughs> cereal that I love, and it's called it's called Sunrise. Oh, and it comes in maple and vanilla. And I don't remember... I, I, I know, it's terrible. Oh, my God. It's the worst... It's not the cereal, but, like, my tastes. But I, it's, I love it. I, I, I love it. I guess I can't believe I've ever asked you this question before. Uh... What superpower would you want? Mm, you know, maybe it's just my my deep love of the Flash. Maybe it would be super speed. Super speed. See, yeah. I wouldn't want flight, because if you don't have no. flight with Superman's vulnerability, what's the point? Because somebody, somebody shoots you down. Flying to a bird or something. Exactly. Ah, you're done. You exactly. like Fabio. I see, I stay... No one appreciates the ability of Plastic Man. The powers that he has that's are underappreciated. True. That's true. And no one says, oh yeah, give me the stretchy powers. Because the only other person who has stretchy powers is Mr. Fantastic, who over the years has been classified as a lame. He's mm -hmm. never been good at any comic ever. Don't at me, Fantastic Four fanboys <laughs> who listen to the show. I don't even know if there's one Fantastic Four <laughs> fanboy anywhere. Um, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you're currently uh, reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, was television? Would you say television show? Repeat that one more uh, time. Book, book, album, movie, or show you are reading, listening to, or watching. Mm, um, uh, like I say, I've been. Um, you know, what I just finished watching. Um, was uh, Star Wars Rebels. Uh, oh, is that the cartoon? Yeah, CGI? It, was, it was the CGI show, and I, they just wrapped up. And I just watched the last episodes that ran like four, four or five years. It was fantastic. It was so. it was great. It tied together. It was um, took place between uh, right before uh, A New Hope. So it's it was uh, it was its own set of characters. You see some of the other ones drop in, but it was it was. I feel like I've seen good. some. I feel like I've seen some promos for that somewhere. Like I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with that as a thing. I didn't think I was going to like it. Yeah. I ended up watching all four years of it. it was Let really me ask good. you this. On a scale of one to ten Wookiees, are you excited for the Han Solo movie? Uh, two Wookiees okay. with the caveat of Lando. You it's know, not, I, I, the only thing this I is care a mistake, right? Yeah, I feel like it is. <laughs> the only thing I care about in this entire movie is 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 Lando Calrissian. Uh, Donald, Donald Glover, Glover is is yeah. as Lando. I'll watch. Mm. Otherwise, I see no you know no point for the movie. Mm. It's I'm I'm concerned that they are really like. We can just put Star Wars on anything. I think I think it's true. And I don't think they got a good actor to play Han Solo from the trailer I looked. He didn't seem so good. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm not I don't know. I'm uh, personally I'm not I'm not buying it. I mean if that actor's listening to the Uticast, A, good for okay, you. Yeah, good and for B, you, mate, you know, but um, money, I, I'm yeah. just you know, yeah, I, I don't know. If they ever get back to making an uh Ewan McGregor Obi Wan movie, I'd oh. go see that. I now, heard that that might happen. Did someday. you Okay, so I went to go see Last Jedi. And I'm not a Star Wars guy. Like I, I'm only kind of like, yeah, yeah, Jedi, Dark mm -hmm. Vader, right? Yeah. I really liked it. I was half, I was surprised by the sort of blowback that I, I was. Too. I, I didn't understand it. I thought they did a really nice job. I, I liked it, and I, you know, I've, I've taken, you know, heat from friends who didn't <laughs> like didn't it. Get it. Um, you know, I went to see it, and I've been a fan of, you know, of all the, you know, the the Star Wars movies, yeah. you know, for a long time. I, it just, it seemed like it was well done. I, I thought it, it told a very interesting story without repeating. The, the last Star Wars movie they did seemed it was it was beat for beat yeah. what the 1977 Star Wars yeah. movie was. This, I felt like it kind of charted its own yeah. path. They subverted a lot of stuff that people were expecting. Yeah. I think it annoyed people, but I liked it. I liked when 
Luke was, uh, this is a spoiler alert, when Luke is like, there is no light and dark side of the Force. It's just a thing. Like, there is no good, like, I love that scene. Yeah. I was like, yes! And yes! I thought Mark Hamill was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Really you know, good. and yeah. it just, I don't know, I thought it, it told its own story, it's, went its own path. That's what I liked about it. I think you, a lot of people wanted it to be something else. Did but. you hear rumors that they're not, he's not dead? I would think that, you know, they probably are scrambling for what to do because the next one was supposed to be all about Carrie Fisher and they, they can't okay, do that so, anymore. Okay, so, again, I'm not... Spoiler alert for a movie that's been out for a long time. Okay. I'm a huge Laura Dern fan because of the David Lynch Jurassic Park connections, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they sort of walked themselves into a corner, right? That could have been Carrie Fisher doing the Laura... Like, if you switch those two characters, which is actually what I thought was going to happen, but I kept waiting for that to be the thing... And I was just like, oh, shit, you took out Laura Dern in this movie, and now you stuck with Carrie, and now she's... It's just like... Fisher's past. Obviously, it's all hindsight is twenty twenty, but, like, even in that movie, I think if Carrie Fisher is in that role, and Laura Dern becomes the new sort of head... General or whatever. I think that's a good narrative arc, too. Like, she's sacrificed her... She knows that she's getting... I don't know. I'm going off a tangent, but I think that... That was the one thing that I look at that movie, I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do now. I don't either. I don't I'm, I'm guessing. I have yeah. no clue. Dave, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming in. I've kept you on far longer than I promised I would. I'm sorry. Long sorry. lunch. You can edit out all of my <laughs> babbling to get it down to a reasonable time. Uh, HolidaysComics.com. Uh, Let me also throw in DandyPress.com. Dandy, that actually is yeah. overarching for all our projects. Oh, wonderful. So. Wonderful. And then... Uh, that's the dorkydaddy.com mm-hmm. um, look forward to our passport 2018 thank you for all the help that you've been doing for us and everything going forward uh, I know we can't get into too much of it but uh, I know people are going to be really excited I'm very excited I'm excited and thank you so much thank Dave, you Sam thank you. enjoy the rest of your day folks we'll be back to the show in just a moment teacher in my fifth grade class who sent my friend to the principal's office because he drew a dope picture of Satan sitting on a throne. It was a dope picture. Look, you don't have to be satanic or evil to think that, like, a cool picture is cool. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't like metal music. When I would walk through the metal section in the record store, I would stop and look at all the outrageous metal band covers because they're outrageous and some of them are cool. (laughs) Not all of them. Some of them. Just throwing that out there. Um, Thank you again, Dave Chase. Always a pleasure. Uh, again, Holidays Comics, uh, Dandy Press. He's doing lots and lots of really cool stuff. Thanks for all the help with uh, Made in Utica Passport 2018. Um, so I didn't really do history lessons this week. You guys, That's nice. It's nice for you guys, right? It's a present. It is a little bit of a present. I did, instead, we did a little bit of a, a media time travel. We're going to go back in time. Uh, we're going to talk about movies in America. Uh, so right now, I don't know if you guys want to take a guess what the number one movie in America right now is. A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place, that's right. And I want to see that is really it? bad. Yes, number one. It. Yeah. Look, I want to see it. You did? You have a spoiler-free review I mean, for the folks I mean, out there? Uh, it was good. Mm, okay. Very nice. It's like really good, like everyone's saying. Like, I should go definitely to the movies or wait for Netflix? Um, either or. If you're going to watch it, though, commit to watching it. Okay. Like, turn off the lights, pay attention. Okay. Mm. 
have it on my little phone. Uh, very good. I, I'm intrigued by it. I think... Uh, I'm totally intrigued. I think one of my big issues for a long time was that I would conflate um, John Krasinski as just Jim from The Office and everything. And mm-hmm. I guess I'll ask you that question. Do you have a hard time separating him? As a guy who likes The Office, did you have a hard time separating him as Jim? Um, I didn't really need to. It's one of the first movies I've ever seen where it didn't give me the need to separate him. Um... Okay. I'll say they don't talk a ton in mm-hmm. this movie. You know what I mean? That's kind of the whole premise. And so that helps because you don't have to reconcile the voice as much as you normally would when he's in other things. Sure. Because there's not as much of it. Right, right. That makes sense. So. Makes total sense. Uh, all right, very good. So, guys, uh, we're going to go back 10 years, 20 years, and 30 years from this day. And we're going to talk about the movies that were number one in America on this day. Okay? So, on March 23rd, 2008... Uh, it was a kids movie about it was a Dr. Seuss project and it was a CG movie. You got any guesses? The Lorax. It was not the Lorax, although I've seen that one and I got to tell you, I did not like it. I didn't like it either. No, I didn't like it. Cat in the Hat. <laughs> no, do you remember the Cat in the Hat movie they made though? No, they're yeah, either. terrible. It was had Jim, like was it Jim Carrey? No, it was like Mike Myers dressed up as the cat. Oh gosh. No, apparently on this day, uh, March twenty third, two thousand eight, the number one movie in America was Horton Hears a Who. I didn't even, I didn't know, even they, know they came up. With I don't that. remember they that. They did, but I don't. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, starring, let's see here. It looks like Jim Carrey and Steve Carell as the voice of Horton and uh, the little tiny thing that he. I don't remember that story at all. That's one of the few, like, Dr. Seuss ones I'm kind of like, okay, about. All right, you guys ready to go back 20 years? Sure. I'm ready. Strike me into the time machine. Into the time machine on this day, uh, March 23rd, 1998. Still making $17 million for its one, two, three, four, five, six. Dear God, from the beginning of the year, it's still Titanic. Oh, my God. Titanic was the number one movie in America for another week, even going into the next week. Matter of fact, Titanic was the number one movie in America until April 5th, 1998. Can you guess what movie knocked it off? I have no idea. 1998. 1998. I'll give you a couple hints. It starred a very famous TV actor at the time, comedy sitcom TV actor. It's a movie about, it's an action space movie about outer space, and it was a remake of a television show. Oh, Lost in Space. Lost in Space, space. starring Matt LeBlanc. I've been watching that show on Netflix, by the way. I'm glad. Awesome. Is it good? It's awesome. (laughs) I just finished the last episode. (laughs) See, so everything comes back around again. Lost in Space was hot in 98, and now it's hot again 20 years later. It all comes back around. Uh, all right, and then going all the way back to 1988, I I didn't have a clue what this one was, so I'll be shocked. Uh, are you guys familiar with the film Biloxi Blues? No, <laughs> not no. A, not a clue. Never heard of it. However, the movie that came out the next week, um, was Beetlejuice, oh, and that was big for a hot minute. So there you go, going all the way back. For our movie history, that's all the history that's lessons. Years. I feel old. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, mean I gotta be honest, when I found out that it was uh, 125 episodes since Dave had been on the show and I had to do the math in my head, I thought I was wrong. I was like, <laughs> no. I was like, that's not it. It's impossible, right? Okay. Oh, what was that? Is the cat roaming around in here? Cat causing problems. No one's happier right now than the cat sure. by this weather. I'm gonna be shocked if like little dead animals on my car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys ready to get into some other quick news before we call it quits for this week? Yes. yes okay. Let's do it. 
so guys, uh, we didn't talk about it last week because why would we? Do you guys know that 420 was last Friday? Are you familiar with 420? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so we'll talk about how mainstream it seems like 420 has become in the last few years in just a minute. But this was some uh, this was some news that came out last week. Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer plans to introduce. Uh, this was earlier this week. Plan to introduce uh, legislation last Friday to decriminalize marijuana on the federal level. Uh, adding a high-profile advocate in the effort to decriminalize, legalize, and normalize marijuana use in the United States. Uh, his legislation would remove marijuana from the test of scheduled substances under the 1970 law that classifies marijuana as dangerous as heroin. Uh, it would establish funding for women and minority-owned marijuana businesses, uh, require more research on the drug's public health impact, and maintain fed- uh, federal authority to regulate commercial advertising similar to existing regulations for tobacco and alcohol. Um this was a quote from Schumer when he was on Vice News tonight on HBO. Smoking marijuana doesn't hurt anybody else. Uh, why shouldn't we allow people to do it and not make it criminal? Uh, Schumer's support is the latest indicator that the of the green wave, quote-unquote, affecting American politics with growing support across the political spectrum to change the way the federal government sees marijuana. Um Kevin, we came. I came home on Friday, and there was a video on YouTube we watched, which like a bunch of former NBA players sitting around talking about marijuana, smoking marijuana, and like just talking about it casually and like the impact it had in the NBA and stuff. I think it's interesting that like I don't even think they would have made that video ten years ago, and I just think it's funny to watch the way that like the perception of marijuana has changed in America in like less than twenty years. Yeah, yeah even on, like Instagram stars who are like. Smoking and yeah. Instagram and talking that you would never saw that like ten years ago. I just it's funny like I think that um, even if you look at like the way my, I look at my mom right like my mom used to be like absolutely terrified of the idea of like kids smoking pot right and now I think she's she still doesn't obviously want her kids doing drugs obviously but as she gets older I think she's become much more like attuned to the world around her and I think she understands like growing up with like you know. Growing parent divorce, like I watch like what alcohol did. I can't imagine that my mom looks at like people who smoke weed any worse than people who like drink, drink. the way that we saw what or we saw cigarettes. growing up or smoking cigarettes or something like that. Um, and again, I think this is all it's all leading to the same thing that like eventually when this when when the government just leans into the fact that states can make money and the government can make money, then this will all just be legal everywhere. I still feel like that's probably coming down the pike. Yeah. Um also, the other one that's interesting to me is it's interesting that they don't use you can't really test uh, marijuana like for its medicinal like benefits because of the federal stuff. That's the part that always struck me as weird. Like, why aren't like scientists not just marijuana, but why aren't like scientists like looking at the actual FDA medical it's use? Because the way they're scheduled. Yeah, and I think that's probably the part of this bill that's the most uh, important. important part going forward is like the ability to actually get scientific answers, mm-hmm. uh, which is what stops a lot of like research and funding going forward now because there's no it's like well show us the research well we can't because it yeah. doesn't yeah. exist <laughs> so uh, also the other point of it was it does seem like culture is shifting in a way that people are celebrating 420 like I remember growing up in high school and hearing people talk about 420. Yeah, yeah, but now very like in, secretive. Yeah, very secretive. And now like in Denver, they said like this. There was like the largest four twenty gathering of all time happened. Well, it's legal. It's yeah. legal. Yeah. I mean, but it is right. Like you know, the politicians talk about it now. People are having celebrations for it now. It's just different. Mm. I just think that too. It's it's the other point is I think people are starting to make real money like business wise on it. I think that's probably where the the shift in attitude will eventually come when the business 
aspect of it starts to become more regulated, then people will start to really lean into it, I think. That's always been the big problem when you read about it now is it's still, for all the things that are quote-unquote legal about it so far, it's still pretty much a cash business because the federal government's not in on it. So, all right, there you go. It's our very astute 420 conversation for a holiday sort of that happened last week. Um, So I have something I just wanted to share with you guys. It's called the Moron Index. That's something I've been coming up with. Like it. Just <laughs> stories that make me shake my head because these people are all morons. Uh, so earlier this week, this is from Oregon, okay? Uh, a principal from Centennial Elementary School uh, was quoted at saying, uh, victims of bullies tend to provoke bullies and must be taught to be, quote-unquote, less annoying. This is from the principal oh. of the school <laughs> on <She's> YouTube. <laughs> I I have to admit, uh, this is a hilariously flaming hot take <laughs> that, I, that I've never heard before. Uh, but I also need to make another take. Like, if he thinks that, like, just the kids who get bullied are annoying, I don't think he's met children. I don't think there's a child in the world under, like, a certain age who's not annoying. It's All not, kids are annoying. My kid's annoying. Yeah. The, the point of children is that they're <laughs> annoying, right? I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that... They don't understand yet. It's their whole thing. (laughs) So I give this guy on my moron index, uh, I'm going to give him, we'll give him a six out of ten. This is pretty, this is pretty dumb. But I don't want to give him too high of a ranking because then I I lose the ranking forever. It cheapens the ranking, right? Um, This one's not, this one's probably going to be lower. David Copperfield. You familiar with David Copperfield, the magician? court or something? He's in court. Uh, He's be, he's going through the prestige scenario. You ever see the movie The Prestige? No. <laughs> one of the, the problem with the prestige is the movie is one of these magicians dies in a in a trick gone wrong and they have to and part of it is they go to court but the guy's like, I can't explain to you how the trick works because then he it's not that. a trick anymore. You gotta tell secrets now. Yeah, so David Copperfield is in court right now, uh, trying to give away his trick to, uh like the, the rules of his trick to prove that what he did was not dangerous and why you shouldn't be sued. This is uh this isn't a moron index for him. I feel bad for him. He's kind of in a no-win situation, right? Mm. It's like if you're a magician, you don't want to like you can't give away the thing, but he obviously has to tell them like what's up, right? Yep. I don't know if there's any other real court cases about magic like this. <laughs> uh, this is more. Uh, I'm not giving him a low score on my moron yeah. index for this. This is two. Thank just be his his two on the moron index is just because he's David Copperfield. It has nothing to do <laughs> with uh, his magic. All right, and last one. Um, do you guys know who T.J. Miller is? He's an oh, actor. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Mm. That like, guy's the worst. <laughs> yes, T.J. Miller. He's always been the worst. Not just because he's a bad person, but like he's bad in everything he's in. Yeah, he's, everything, everything he's in is worse I because he's in I liked him in the in first it. season of Silicon Valley. Everyone liked I him did. in the first season of Silicon Valley. After that, I didn't like him anymore. Uh, well, last week, uh, T.J. Miller, uh, age 36, was charged with intentionally conveying to law enforcement false information about a, an explosive device on a train traveling into Connecticut. Uh, so this is the, the long and short of the story. T.J. Miller was drunk on a plane going from D.C. to Penn Station, got in a fight with a female passenger, got on a different train with the trains converge, and then called in a bomb threat on the lady who was out, who got in the fight with in the train. Just, I'm, like, moron index, again, I'm not trying to shoot the moron index right off the bat, but this has got to be high nines, right? This is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I mean, I... 
Especially yeah. with everything going on right now and how serious everything's been. I think that really goes, you know, to highlight the fact that, like, I mean, this dude's, you know, got a, a severe, severe drinking problem. And, like, here you go. Here it is. Mm-hmm. That's probably it for him. He's all done. He wasn't that good in the first place. Like, no. no. They said, like, a day later, though, he was doing, like, comedy shows somewhere. Like, I mean, you can... <laughs> stand-up comedy is where well, you can just walk into I a place know, and do but, stand-up. Like, it doesn't even, like... Trouble for... <laughs> uh, yeah, he again. <laughs> just like, bomb threat's a tough one to get back from. I feel oh like there's God. a hard, there's a hard comeback time for bomb threat. Uh, forever or rehab? <laughs> is is it forever? For we bomb? don't need them. I know. That's a great. It's a great point. Uh, so I just want to go through this really quickly. I've been putting it off for three weeks because uh, we've been shows have been pretty packed. We haven't had time for it. Uh, there's an article I read a few weeks ago from Bloomberg, and it was talking a lot about apparel and clothing and the purchase of clothing in America by consumers. In 1977, uh, Americans spent 6.2% of their percent of their household income on clothing per year. In 2016, it's 3%, right? So we're spending less than half of that. In 2010, it was the first time that the spendage, spendages on technology surpassed spendages on apparel. Uh, and also, since the 1970s, what people spend their household income on has gone up 50% on experiences. So basically, people are spending more money of their household income on experiences and technology and less on clothing. Uh, and a lot of people are concerned that, in general, we're just less interested in fashion and clothing than we were 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, do you think there's something to that, or do you think... Or do you think that's just conjecture? Any thoughts about that? Uh, what do you mean? Okay, so a couple of things they're basically saying is people don't buy clothing the same way that they once did, right? We're just not buying as much clothes as we used to. People don't feel the need to have as many things or buy as expensive versions of things anymore, and they're pointing to a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one primarily is people don't buy work wardrobes anymore. A lot of people, like the idea of buying clothing just for work apparel seems to have gone by the wayside in the last 20 years. Right. And I'm not sure how to answer that because I feel like I used to buy clothing all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, all the time. Now I barely will go out and buy, like, new clothes. Right. But for you, I think, is that because you... But is it because I got older or is it because I'm more interested in saving my money to go skiing and do things like that? Well, that's the you experiences what I mean? thing. So... What's Where is the household income that you spend more important to you? Would you rather take that money and, well, like, I... go camping with you and your husband and kid or spend it on, like, I want to buy more Fancy well, I think is, it's all coming together. People are buying more electronics, and then they're doing more experienced things so people can see it on their electronic devices and show them what they're doing and they're saving instead mm. of putting their money towards that. You know, like, they want people to see, look what I'm doing. I'm over here. I'm over here. But if I'm going to do this, I can't buy all this. So it's more about not what I look like now, but look what I'm doing. Exactly. So that's... I think that's what's going on. Uh, another thing they talked about is the rise of sort of this idea of, like, fast fashion stores, that people are more willing to to go to a place like Target or H&M or a place like Uniqlo where you can get sort of cheaper stuff that still looks fine. I don't think people are as married to the idea of brands and retail fashion anymore, anymore. right? Uh, As a matter of fact, most of the style stuff that people get, especially at the younger generation, seems to be based on social media stuff as opposed to like, oh, I got to go check out the new line of clothes at so-and-so, right, at Macy. I don't know any Well, they're continuously stores. changing their style. Like, every week it's something different. Or they're mm-hmm. going back to what something we wore in the 80s is cool again. And, you know, people are recycling yeah. their clothing. And, mm-hmm. uh, again, I, don't, I feel like I don't buy as much clothes. I Although, know. I guess if I had more money, maybe I would. Maybe it's just because no one has any money. Maybe, maybe that's really... That's what it is. Is it just that no one has 100% any money? 100% that's what it is, yeah. yeah. Nobody's, got any, nobody's got the money 
to mm. spend on clothes like that. People are more interested in making it work or finding hand-me-downs or thrift store stuff or buying it for life. Mm. If you're going to buy something, you yeah. just buy something that'll last for a really mm. long time. And I think that's probably closer to the, the yeah. real heart of it than almost anything else. Like, There's a lot of business reasons for why the face of fashion is changing and why the way people buy clothing is changing, but a lot of it is just... We got less money now. I think it's a good to. thing. I mean, they're being less materialistic and wanting to experience things more. I think that's a good thing. Can't complain. All right, guys, great job this week. Mm-hmm. You guys are the best. Um, again, I talked. Thank you, David. Uh, great time talking to you about all uh, comic book stuff. Check out holidayscomics.com, dandypress.com. Uh, pre-order your Made in Utica passports. You can go on madeinutica.com. Check them out. Hey guys, again, Avengers number three, Infinity War comes out this weekend. Do you think Captain America's gonna die? Anybody? Yeah. He's gone. He's yeah. done. He's done. Dunzo. I'll be sad if Chris Evans dies. <laughs> Love Chris Evans. Uh, all right. That's it. Uh, we've made it to the end. Sayonara, humanoids. Uh, keep it tight. Happy Rusev Day. Uh, Woodstock lives. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm gonna be on vacation next week. Uh, we'll still have Are a show. Are you going but anywhere? I'm, I'm going on a work vacation to Albany, so I'm sure that my press, my preparation for next week's episode will be just as good as it is every week. Oh. <laughs> uh, take care, folks. Follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me, SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. And Utica.com, Uticast.com, SoundCloud, taking over the net, number one podcast on Stitcher. That's it. Good night. Bye.